Greetings and welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast with me, your host, Damian Mason. We get together here every week and discuss issues impacting the industry of food, fuel, fiber, and farming. That's right. It's the Business of Agriculture, and I'm your host, Damian Mason. Very much appreciate you being here. You know, uh, we talk about things that affect the world's most important industry. I get into food a lot, uh, as you know, and we've had a lot of very good guests. Today, we're going to hit a topic that is very, very important because it's in the news. Uh, I wrote an article about about it. I shot a bunch of videos about it. I'm getting all kinds of people reaching out to me about this topic, and I'm talking about Starbucks. On Tuesday, January 21st, the year 2020, Starbucks came out with a press release stating that they were going to now, from this point forward, to preserve the environment, to save the earth, to reverse climate change. They were going to take an environmental stand against real milk and start encouraging quote, encouraging consumers, their consumers, their customers to switch off of real milk and go for a dairy alternative. I'm going to tell you why this is bad for everybody in agriculture. We're going to look at it from all the different perspectives, but I'm also going to tell you the real motivation here because everybody's getting to, you know, a hold of me. I was speaking at a Georgia milk producers conference, in fact, on the Monday before this even happened. So like one day before they come out with this stupid announcement, I, um, I'm in front of uh, several hundred dairy people. I do a lot of dairy people. As you listen to this podcast, you probably know I've got a dairy farm background. I rent my land to a large-scale uh, milk producer who milks a couple thousand cows in northeastern Indiana. I was raised on your basic Midwestern dairy farm, showed dairy cows in 4-H. I drink chocolate milk every day, et cetera, et cetera. But this is not really about milk. Milk is simply the easy sacrificial cow for Starbucks. So that's what we're going to cover here. I'm going to tell you why it happens, how it's going to happen to other commodities or agricultural products over the next several years. I see these things happening. I see it almost as an environmental greenwashing, if you will. I'm going to tell you the real cause here and then what Starbucks did, because Starbucks, frankly, was brilliant. They won. They won. Doesn't make you happy, doesn't make me happy, but they won on this thing. And then we're going to also get into what we can do and what we should do as agriculture. All right. So from the top here, if you didn't know about this, I wrote an article. It came out immediately after I was uh, made aware of the news. Uh, The article is called Starbucks Makes Milk. It's a sacrificial cow to save earth. Uh, Shot videos. One of them is very, very popular. It's got all kinds of people talking on social media. They're sending me uh, messages. Uh, The truth about Starbucks, environmental impact and milk. So I've got a few videos out there, but we're going to go more in depth. And here's the scoop. If you didn't already know, Starbucks has 31,000 stores worldwide, 31,000 stores worldwide. Uh, They go through a lot of coffee. They're the world's most dominant and, uh, you know, ubiquitous and consumer of coffee. They, They get through the coffee. Uh, They made this announcement that they're going to encourage, quote, encourage their customers to opt for dairy alternatives rather than cow's milk to accent their beverages. So, you know, everybody in dairy got immediately up in arms. And I saw the dairy farm response where it's like, why are they doing this to us? And here's the reality. They did it because you're an easy, you're an easy kicking, you're an easy uh, group to kick. And I don't obviously like this, but I'm telling you why it happened. Starbucks is brilliant. Starbucks sells feelings. Starbucks has made themselves what they are by selling feelings and playing the public relations PR game that makes people feel good. What Starbucks does, it makes people feel good that they're doing something special when they give $6 or $5 or $8 for a cup of coffee. The consumer at Starbucks 
believes they're changing the world. You know, I've always understood this. I don't drink coffee. I don't even like coffee. I, I, I've had like six ounces of coffee in 50 years of my life, um, probably less. I remember years ago, I was taking a class at the improv uh, up at Second City. Where I was learning about improvisational acting and scene writing uh, after my political comedy career was slowed down. And most of the people that were in this class were not going to make it in showbiz. And uh, <laughs> more than one of them were working at Starbucks. And a person wrote a little sketch comedy bit, sort of spoofing Starbucks. And holy shit, you should have seen these two wannabe actors who worked at Starbucks come on court that how dare we laugh at the great things that Starbucks does. The Starbucks was changing lives and Starbucks paid people a livable wage, whatever that is. Star yeah, livable wage, okay? Uh how much, how much do you need to live on? How much does somebody else need to live on? Oh, okay. Uh, you know, just give me my livable wage. I need two hundred grand a year. Can you give me that, Starbucks? Okay. So anyway, these Starbucks employees just came out of their skin, just went nuts. And I thought, my God, I, I don't understand having this much religious-like devotion to an employer. But whatever it is that Starbucks is doing, they've certainly done it well because these two kids are like brainwashed. These like 25-year-old uh, folks were just absolutely drinking the Kool-Aid, as it were, or the $8 lattes. So Starbucks has done a masterful job of making their customers believe that they are changing the world by buying their products. And they've been doing this for a long while. Remember, they made you feel special. They made you feel like it was good for you. It was good for everybody else. You weren't drinking booze after all. You weren't, you weren't in the opium den. You were just going to Starbucks, getting your laptop out. It's smarter here. You can study. You can meet business people. It's more cerebral. It's coffee. <laughs> so they're doing this. Uh, and then they started to lose a little bit of uh, their their swagger. They started to lose a little bit of their their appeal. They started to look a little bit like everywhere else. So what they do about five or seven years ago, I made a big production out of this with all my ag audiences. They started marketing that all of their coffee was purchased via fair trade. Now, you've seen the logos probably if you pay much attention on certain things, particularly coffee brands, where they say, we, we, we uh, participate in fair trade. Folks, I got a degree in agricultural economics. You know what? Trade by its very nature, by its very definition, is fair. Trade, as it is on the global commodity. You realize that coffee beans are one of the most traded commodities on the planet? Coffee is traded on, the, on, on exchanges all around the world. Coffee prices are set as market prices are based on supply and demand, where the supply curve crosses the demand curve. That's your equilibrium point, which is what sets the price. This is true for milk, soybeans, corn, wheat, oats, and coffee, and many other things too, frankly. Are we to pretend to suspend a belief, as apparently Starbucks loving sipping customers do, that Starbucks goes to these foreign countries, to these third world countries where they get their coffee beans and gives them more than market price just to be more fair? 
And then who determines what fair is? You know what fair is, folks? Fair is where you buy cotton candy and they give purple ribbons or blue ribbons out to pigs, okay? That's what fair is. I guess I'm damn tired of this whole thing about fair, fair. Politicians talk about what's fair. Companies saying they buy their stuff via fair trade. I'm like, well, let me be the arbiter of this. I want to tell you whether this is fair or not. I don't believe that this peasant with nine acres of cocoa or coffee beans over here is getting quite a fair enough price. Triple it. Triple the market price. Well, no, that's ridiculous. Well, wait a minute. What's fair? So Starbucks has been pulling this emotional appeal for a long time because they know that to sell expensive coffee to the suburbs of America or Canada or any other wealthy country, you've got to appeal to emotion, and they do. So this was an appeal to emotion. They came out and said, We're, we care about the environment. We care about Earth. So for the good of sustainability, we're going to encourage our customers to switch off of cow's milk and instead opt for a dairy alternative. All right, so this is part business. It's part emotional appeal. It's all about money, and I'll get to that in a second. And it's also a hell of a smokescreen. So I'll go with the smokescreen first. You see, Starbucks is no environmental angel, hence their posturing. The top 10 producing, uh, coffee-producing countries in the world, and you probably already know this. You can at least take a guess. Uh, we don't grow coffee in Indiana where my farm is, right? You don't grow coffee in Montana. You grow coffee a little, little bit in Hawaii, and I mean a little bit. In fact, on Kona, there's a neat little place. I've been there. It was a former sugar plantation that is now growing uh, coffee, and they're pushing the whole high-end thing. They sell the feelings, and they talk about using recycled water, et cetera, et cetera. My wife and I went there. She loves coffee. We bought a few pounds of their coffee. I learned about how they produce coffee and how many pounds of beans and how many gallons of coffee that would make come off of each tree, et cetera, et cetera. But it's a spit in the wind. What we grow in Hawaii is like, uh, is like 1% of what Brazil does. Brazil's the number one and has been the number one producer of coffee beans for like 150 years. They produce so damn many coffee beans in Brazil, you can't even hardly get your head around it, okay? I, I can pull up the numbers. Uh, I, I'm going to be a little bit wrong when I pull up some of these numbers because it's, it's something that's so different to me, but... Brazil, by leaps and bounds, the biggest coffee producer. Vietnam, Colombia, Indonesia, Ethiopia, that rounds out your top five. So if we're talking about environmental degradation, because that's what Starbucks claims they're trying to prevent, they, they know that if they tell people we're encouraging you not to use cow's milk because it's bad for the environment, what are they really saying? Well, then we're doing what's good for the environment. But how can you say that when you are the number one coffee-selling, coffee-brewing, coffee-demanding company on earth? That means that you are buying your coffee beans from countries with abysmal environmental track records. Let's see Brazil. What do they do in Brazil to make cropland? Oh, I know. They bulldoze rainforests. Ah, and it turns out inconveniently for Starbucks that every coffee bean that's grown essentially is close to the tropics. Again, not necessarily Hawaii, but you're talking about a tropical product. Name those countries again, Brazil, Vietnam, Colombia, Indonesia, Ethiopia. Any one of those that you think has a better environmental track record than the United States? Any one of those countries you think that is really working as hard as the United States is at cleaning up the environment? And what about when all this hype about climate change at the Paris Accord uh, and at the, the various EU meetings and the UN meetings, 
Are any of those five countries at the forefront making big, vast changes to combat climate change? Of course they're not. I'll give you the other uh, remaining uh, uh, countries in the top 10 or 12. Honduras, India, Guatemala, Mexico, Uganda, Peru, Nicaragua, and even China. Did I name any country there that you think of as an environmental stalwart, as a country that is doing their part to make the environment better, cleaner, reducing carbon emissions, uh, recycling? Of course not. This is the truth about Starbucks. They are terrible for the environment. They go through a ton of beans, literally more than a ton, tons and tons and tons and tons, barges of beans that are grown in third world countries that pollute the shit out of the environment. Starbucks also, by their own by their own sustainability consulting firm, Qantas uh, did this for them, by their own analysis, generates 868,000 tons of solid waste per year. So according to their own numbers that they're willing to share, and likely it could be higher, 868,000 tons of solid waste they're responsible for producing each year. Now, how much of that goes to recycle? You and I both know the answer. Very little of it because some of it's hardly even getting to recycle. Some of it's hard is very difficult to get to recycling. Starbucks also, by their own analysis, burns through a billion cubic meters of water each year. I'm guessing it's higher than that because I'm sure they probably didn't actually talk about how much it takes to water all those coffee trees. You know, 27 million acres, according to uh, a climate uh, page that I found uh, online, that's actually the NOAA site, NOAA, um, they say that there's about 27 million acres of coffee beans uh, trees in the world. This seems actually pretty light to me. I could see it being even more, but you do get quite a few beans off of each tree. 27 million acres that is making coffee. Now, just bear in mind, since Starbucks is so environmentally conscious, you know, I, I didn't have a problem with them. It's agriculture. We're all about the business of agriculture here on the Business of Agriculture podcast. I speak at agricultural business meetings all over North America, sometimes even internationally. But I should point out that agriculture for food production gets maligned. Agriculture, when it's used for fuel, gets maligned. Remember that? When we say we're going <clears> to <throat> we're going to prop up ethanol. Oh, God, the environmentalists go wacko. You're going to go out and grow corn just to make it so we can drive cars and pollute the environment. Well, wait a minute. If gasoline and ethanol aren't necessities, how the hell is coffee a necessity? There's not one calorie in a cup of coffee unless you add sugar or various other things to it. Milk, creamers, non-dairy creamers. But as a product, coffee has no nutritional component whatsoever. There is no, there's no protein, no fat, no carbohydrate. There is no value in coffee. No vitamins, no minerals. So why is it that we need this coffee? 27 million acres that was formerly rainforest has been bulldozed to create all of these coffee trees. Huh. So you see, Starbucks doesn't address that. You see what I'm talking about? Milk was not only a sacrificial cow because they still keep it around in their in the refrigerator. They're just encouraging. They're not really getting rid of it. So if you really want your milk, you can have it, but they're going to make you feel guilty. And they want you really to switch off to a plant-based alternative, prove that you care about the environment. And the whole while they're on their public relations mission talking about how much they care about the environment, the consumer, the American consumer, who oftentimes is blind or dumb or lazy or all the above, 
I don't even blind in the figurative way, not in the literal way. Uh, here's the thing about what Starbucks is doing. Starbucks is putting out a smokescreen because they know their environmental track record is abysmal. All that water, all those acres of trees that were once rainforest that no longer can have orangutans and parrots because now those, those critters don't eat coffee. You bulldoze their natural habitat. 868,000 tons of solid waste, probably more than that. Almost none of it recycled. The water. What about the transportation? You know, to get coffee beans from Brazil to your barista in the suburbs of Chicago, holy hell, that's a lot of fuel. I mean, we had to take that coffee bean, put it on a ship, bring it all the way around the Atlantic, bring it up to some port on the East Coast, put it on a truck, haul it 800 miles from the Atlantic coast into Chicago, all so you could have it. Oh, but there's no environmental footprint there now, is there? You see what I'm saying? This is all just a massive PR campaign, and they knew it would work because they're brilliant at it. And sure enough, not one media outlet, in fact, I'm the only I'm the only media outlet I've seen so far that's <laughs> on my social media talking about this. You tell me what's more environmentally friendly, grabbing milk from that dairy in Wisconsin and processing it right there in Wisconsin and putting it in your coffee in the suburbs of Chicago or bringing coconut milk from Indonesia and putting it with coffee that was brought from Brazil. Hmm. So Starbucks knows that their abysmal track record in terms of environmental degradation was going to come out. There's another part of it. There's another part of it. It's about money, of course. Everything in business is. But, you know, Starbucks is willing to sort of be, shall we say, manipulative of their consumers' emotions for the benefit of their business. Starbucks says they're going to encourage their customers to switch off of cow's milk. Right now, about 20% of their customers already do. So that means they got another 80% to switch. But if they don't switch them, it's not the end of the world because they still have regular milk on hand. They've gotten credit for demonizing milk. It's very popular to demonize animal agriculture. Ask Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who says that you don't need to be eating cheeseburgers every day. Ask Bill de Blasio, mayor of New York City who instituted Meatless Mondays. So it's very popular to be anti-animal agriculture and pick on things that come from cows, especially because of all the cow farts that the suburbanites have heard about, which is actually not accurate. It's methane that's usually more from the digestive process coming out there as a burp, but that's okay. Uh, And it's also not responsible for two-thirds of the world's GHG, greenhouse gas emissions, or whatever you've heard. In case you have friends that you bring over that are from the suburbs, please tell them that's a bunch of nonsense. At best, what I've read that's more credible, and I'm not even sure it's credible because it's the United Nations, claims it's like 14.3% of greenhouse gas emissions come from animal agriculture. And I think even that's a stretch. Not counting also the fact that animal agriculture sequesters a tremendous amount of carbon through all the pastures and rangeland. I do digress. If you're a customer that walks into Starbucks and they say, we encourage you not to use milk because it's bad for the environment, would you like a plant-based alternative? Something made of oat or soy or almond or better yet, coconut. Yes, coconut. You see, Starbucks in 2015 rolled out their own exclusive line. It's called Single Origin Sumatra Coconut Milk. Single Origin Sumatran Coconut Milk. What does that mean? Well, it means Starbucks has their own proprietary line of non-dairy 
creamer, if you'll call it that. It's made out of coconuts, also with oil. It's got tons of sugar in it. It's got corn syrup in it, and it also has a few different kinds of gum to give it some sort of thickening to make it somewhat creamy. Understand what I'm saying? It's a processed food. The article I read said there's 14 ingredients. I've never drank or consumed or mixed with my coffee single-origin Sumatra coconut milk. But I saw the ingredients label, 14 different ingredients, a processed food that Starbucks is more than willing to put in your coffee drink instead of milk because now they sell more of their own proprietary product. Ah, imagine that. They played the environmental card because it was better for their business. Now they can sell the heck out of their own coconut milk. Oh, now let's talk about the environmentalism of coconuts. Turns out Sumatra is an island within Indonesia. If you've never heard of Indonesia, it's the fourth most populous country on the planet. It's made up of a bunch of islands, most of which are, uh, it comes out, Borneo is the big one, I believe. It's in the, you know, the Pacific over there. You can look at your map and you'll see Indonesia. A couple hundred million people live in Indonesia. A couple hundred million people that are really tearing the hell out of the environment. They bulldoze a rainforest, not only to grow coffee, but also to grow coconuts. Coconuts. Never thought of that, did you? Of course. That was what the other drive is, because Starbucks is going to drive you away from your milk under the grounds of environmentalism and drive you right into their little lair, which means use our product, we make more money. Dairy is an easy group to pile on, and this is the problem that I have as a former dairy farm kid and dairy supporter. About $400 million each year is collected through the Dairy Checkoff Program and given to the organizations that are supposed to protect, promote, and research and develop and educate about milk products. That number comes to me from my sources within dairy organizations. You can check it out. It says public information. I was given this in a discussion that we just had last week at the Georgia Dairy uh, Milk Producers Conference that I spoke at. So this number comes to me from people within the industry because this very topic came up. Whether it's $400 million or $4 million or $4, why are these people whose jobs, whose business it is to promote, defend, educate about dairy not coming uncorked over this. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. I haven't seen them spend their money and go on TV and talk about why milk shouldn't be maligned, why Starbucks is using them as a sacrificial cow, why the facts don't add up. Why doesn't the dairy industry actually point out all of the environmental degradation done by Starbucks? Say, hey, you keep talking about us and our factory farms and our cow farts. What about you and your 868,000 tons of solid waste that you, print up, print up, you, you produce every year? And what about those water that you burn through? And all about those 27 million acres of cro- coffee trees that could have been rainforest? And what about all your transportation costs? Jeez, how? Bringing all those coconuts and coffee from third world countries? And also, let's talk about your real record here, Starbucks. You know, you talk about fair trade. How is it then if you're doing such great good for these countries? Why is Colombia still a pisshole? Why? <laughs> I know. I know that sounds like Donald Trump. <laughs> Why is it that these countries like Honduras and Guatemala aren't doing better if you're down there being so fair to them? Why, if Mexico is one of your sources for coffee beans, are those poor people in Mexico trying like heck to get to the United States instead of staying there and enjoying that fair trade. Why is dairy industry not talking about these issues? Why is the dairy industry not unveiling, unmasking, 
getting through, blowing the smoke screen out and clearing the air so that people can see Starbucks for what it really is. Again, I talked about this in an article you can find at DamianMason.com. I write articles, as you well know. I also have videos out there. You can find those at DamianMason.com. You can find them on YouTube, The Truth About Starbucks, Environmental Impact, and Milk. So I'm going to talk about the real thing because it always boils down to money. Remember, it always boils down to money. Follow the money. Watch the money. Milk got maligned because it was a popular, easy target for Starbucks. Turns out they also were getting pressure from within. You see, like all large corporations, they're not owned by just you and me or the or the barista that loves the company that gets uh, you know one share of stock as a bonus each year and and has you know forty dollars worth of ownership in the company. No, no, no. Starbucks, a majorly big company, a majorly large organization, a global multinational corporation, has large shareholders. In this case, it was Trillium Asset Management Group and a sustainable investing advocacy firm called As You Sow. You know, that's a new thing. If you're, if you're not a person that reads the Wall Street Journal, I do every day that I travel. And I, I find it interesting that this has been in the last 10 years or so. Uh, social consciousness has moved into investing. You know, in the old days, people bought what made them money. In the last decade or so, it's become more of a thing where I want to own stock. I want to own a mutual fund that buys shares in stocks that are changing the world. That's a common uh, objective now uh, of some investing groups and some investment portfolios. So that's what's happened here. The Trillium Asset Management Group, and as you so, which has described itself as a sustainable investing advocacy firm, had a shareholder proposal that they were going to, and they intended to push through as Starbucks, and to force Starbucks to take greater green action. So if you're Starbucks, you've got shareholder revolt, or worse yet, not really revolt, you've just got some large investment groups that are going to start banging the drum that you're not really all you claim to be when it comes to the environment. So can you get rid of 868,000 tons of solid waste that you generate each year? Can you get rid of that in a, in a, in a jiffy? No. You going to stop using water? No. Can you move those coffee plantations into like uh, greenhouses and make it so that uh, we don't need 27 million acres that are, you know, formerly rainforest? No. Transportation? No. Coconuts coming from Sumatra and Indonesia on a boat that are then processed and with 13 other ingredients and made into our milk and put into a plastic, plastic container that doesn't get recycled? No. So what can you do to show that you're going to take greater green action, said the sustainable advocacy firm that holds shares in Starbucks and the investment group that was going to put together a shareholder proposal to light a fire under Starbucks? What can Starbucks do to appease them? You got it. Pile on milk. It's been proven. Nobody from the dairy industry is going to come after you. They haven't. It's easy. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the United Nations, says that greenhouse gases from animal agriculture are destroying the earth. So it's really just hopping on a common theme. It's hopping on a – it basically is just piling on poor old milk that's been the common villain. As if milk didn't have enough problems already. Bordens and and Deans filed bankruptcy in the last three months, the two biggest milk processors in the United States. So as if milk didn't have enough problems, Starbucks – The opportunists that they are said, here's an opportunity for us to make ourselves look good. It's all posturing, folks. 
It's all about the money. So look at how they won. That's the thing that a lot of my ag people don't like to hear, but it's true. Starbucks won. Starbucks won this round. They villainized milk that's already being villainized. They are got, they've gotten no feedback, no blowback, nothing from the industry. Uh, their facts have not been tested or checked. Nobody has come out and actually exposed them for being the environmental degraders that they are. Their shareholders are now happy. The withdrew, they withdrew the proposal about pushing them to, uh, to basically be activists. You know, they talk about activist investors. That's what this was up against. It was going to be an activist investor sort of uh, petition. So you got shareholders that are happy. You got the consumer, most of all, the consumer sitting in his or her SUV, nine deep outside of a Starbucks at the drive-thru, chugging along, blowing out their carbon emissions while their air conditioning is humming, waiting to pay $7 for a latte, of course, accented with coconut milk from Sumatra. Now the consumer feels like they just did something good. They're not sitting nine deep in their SUV, expelling uh, carbon and destroying the environment and throwing their plastic lids in the trash. They're helping the environment by paying $7 for this drink. It's completely unnecessary, by the way, that has no calories, no benefit for nutrition. But by buying it and driving off and sipping it, knowing that you didn't use milk, you just saved the world. Brilliant story, brilliant PR, brilliant stunt, brilliant fraud, whatever you want to call it. It's how Starbucks won this battle. Starbucks won, dairy lost. That's the way this is shaping up. You said, Damien, you told me up front you're going to tell me why this matters to me if I'm not in dairy. Because they also, at several Starbucks locations, sell sandwiches. And the articles that I have read says that now this is just a start. They're going to consider also switching people to plant-based, plant-based meat instead of real meat in those sandwiches. Now, wouldn't you just make a little speculation? Maybe because I get ahead of myself. What if Starbucks takes an ownership stake in a plant-based protein manufacturer? What if Starbucks ends up having their own proprietary plant-based meat, kind of like their coconut milk from Sumatra, from single origin, whatever that means? Are we pretending that each jug comes from one coconut? No. So, What if Starbucks has their own plant-based meat? Oh, you see, where this goes is Starbucks hopped on, piled on on milk, and now it's going to be possibly bacon, possibly ham, possibly even turkey, who knows what. But you you can just about bet this. Whatever it does, it's going to be brilliantly fashioned so that it will appease their investors, make their consumers feel good about their purchase, Make their consumers feel like they've done something good by spending money, which is what that's what amazes me about Starbucks. They feel their consumers feel like they've done something beneficial by spending money for something that's completely unnecessary, by the way. And most importantly, it's going to be good for the investors, good for the bottom line. That's where I see this thing going. Milk was just the beginning, and also the stunt and the smokescreen worked. I'm Damian Mason. I know I carried on about this, but I believe it's a big issue that we're going to see increasingly. I don't just see this with Starbucks. I see this with other companies that are going to say, wait a minute, we can get environmental credit by a greenwash by just basically going out here and making things up uh, by throwing uh, something under the bus, whether it's going to be milk or meat or whatever that thing should be, processed GMOs, soybeans, what have you. We're going to get environmental 
credit. We're going to get consumer sentiment and feelings that we've done something good, that we care. We're good corporate stewards. And then, of course, you can appease the investors and you can upsell your own product as an alternative because you're pushing guilt. That's what's happening with this. Starbucks won it, and uh, I see more of this happening with other companies, other corporations that are on Starbucks level. They're going to take a page right out of their playbook and use this to their own advantage. I'm Damian Mason. Thank you for joining me. I've got a great book called Food Fear. It's selling like crazy. I encourage you to pick it up. You can find that at DamianMason.com. It's available as an audiobook, as an ebook, and as a hardcover. Uh, also, I have another podcast called Do Business Better. It's more geared to entrepreneurs, solo business, uh, small business people, business wannabes, folks that aspire to own their own business. So check that out also. You can find all of that at DamianMason.com. Until next time, it's the Do, I'm sorry, until next time, it's the Business of Agriculture podcast.